Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and Chavruta Yerdena Osband, our daf of the day, Masachet Yevamot, daf Mem Zayin, page 47. Um, okay, this daf, in ways that we have not necessarily felt throughout Masachet Yevamot, is a kind of daf that we would like to read, maybe the whole daf, and there's just no way. It's a long daf, and we don't have time, and you don't have time, and we're trying to, you know, keep our episodes over the Pesach holiday short and sweet, at least short, because we we know that it's a, a time crunch. Um, but I'm telling you, this is a daf that uh, I encourage everybody to, to read through, even just to read through in the English, there's just a lot going on. It's about conversion, and there's a lot of different elements to the conversion that I think just make it really interesting. Um, the daf opens with a continuation from the previous daf, which I'm not going to read inside. I just want to make mention of it, which is that there's a discussion of the a convert a convert who is accepted in the land of Israel, meaning where the conversion is accepted in Israel. And then the question is, well, how do you know that that same conversion is going to be accepted everywhere? And this um, distinction or or potential divergence between the land of Israel and you know specifically referred to here to as the Aretz, right, the land, um, and the diaspora, I think, is very interesting. We have this as a current events issue as well, and um, and it and it you know seems to have always been a question, although for very different reasons, right? Here we're talking about who are the witnesses and how do you how do you know who's reliable as a witness and so on. Uh, the daf goes on, and as I say, like there's just too much here. I know you're Dana. You're going to talk about some of the things on going on top of bet i'm gonna so what i want to read inside here is towards the bottom not quite the bottom the middle of ahmed aleph there's a discussion here about the non-jew um i would say the non-jews own credibility right so what happens is um, let's see i'm seeing just where to start because again i want to keep it trim um okay we have a particular person who is presumed to be jewish comes to Rabbi Yehuda Amarlo and says, I converted in private, meaning this is not the way we convert. We convert before witnesses and judges and so on, right? Amarlo, Rabbi Yehuda, Yeshlach, Edim. So Rabbi Yehuda says, do you have any witnesses? Amarle, love. No, there were no witnesses. Yeshlach, Banim. Do you have children? Amarle, Hain. He does have children. Amarlo, Ne'manata, Lifsolet, Atzmacha, Ve'yeta, Ne'man, Lifsolet, Banecha. So, the 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 position here. Why does it matter if he has children? Is that Rabbi Huda says you are? We believe you that you can make yourself um, pasul. We can that you could render yourself unfit or invalid for the sake of marrying a, a Jewish woman by saying that you yourself, you know, began as an non-Jew. Right? That's that everybody thinks this man is Jewish. He's coming forward to say, no, no, I converted on my own in private. So Rabbi Huda's claim position is like. Okay, we'll believe you for the fact that you would just render yourself to be an, a non-Jew and therefore unfit to marry a Jewish woman, um, but you can't do that for the sake of telling telling us that your children are unfit. Meaning, this claim is you know it sounds like it's going to be not believed, right? He's not going to be accepted as a non-Jew, right? Because he doesn't have witnesses that he converted, and he doesn't have witnesses that he was a non-Jew to begin with, right? So the question then is, you know. Can they can even accept the testimony about the children, right? Because, you know, because he, he can't, as a non-Jew, no, I'm sorry, as a convert, you would accept him, whatever he says, right? Then he would be Jewish. But the question is here, can you claim 
that can he claim um, a status change for his children without witnesses, without without uh, what would otherwise be valid testimony? So how do we know that Rabbi Yehuda uh, says, or what, you know, who says that Rabbi Yehuda really said that he's not credible about the kids? Don't we know? Once we say that you, you know, you acknowledge, meaning you acknowledge, this is a verse from Devarim about establishing the firstborn who is, this is a story of the, I don't even want to get into it, but the story of the, um, the hated wife, right? And he was still going to end up getting the double portion, right? So then once he says, Yakir, once you say that you're going to acknowledge, that seems extra. What do we learn from that? So we accept for that, that a person is, is eligible or trusted to say, this is my son, the firstborn. That way, somebody is somebody who's speaking about their child, which will affect the status of the child, is believed because of the rationale that applies to this verse. But but Rabbi Huda's position here is rejected, and the majority opinion is to say that he's not deemed credible. Uh, so then, again, the question here is if Yehuda in general would say that a person is credible even to render his children pasul, then why would he say otherwise in the case of the convert? One question I would have is, you know, is he simply, you know, towing the line of Chachamim here? Um, but that might be too much speculation. And then we get to the point that I think is, you know, perhaps the most interesting. Amar of Nachman Bar Yitzchak, so Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak says that what Rabbi Huda said to the convert was, goyata, according to what you're saying, you're not Jewish. Edut logoy, and a non-Jew is not eligible to give testimony. Not PC, I know, but that's the that's the that's the law, that's the principle. Ravina Amar, Banim, So Ravina says, Well, uh, I'm sorry, let me take a step back and explain the Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak um, interpretation, meaning if you're not Jewish and your testimony is disqualified, then nothing you say about your children is going to render them unfit, right? It becomes a very, um, like a, a mind game here, right? A puzzle to figure out, you know, the children are, the children are Jewish if he says he's Jewish, but if he's not Jewish, they're still his children, but he can't give testimony about them. Ravina says no. He said something else. What happened? What did Rabbi Huda say to him? Do you have children? Yes. Do you have grandchildren? Yes. And then, so the the rationale here is you have, um, because of that verse, right, he could disqualify his children. There's legitimacy to that, at least according to Rabbi Huda's opinion, even though it's rejected by the Chachamim, but according to Ravina, then even Rabbi Huda wouldn't have allowed it to go so far as to say he could pasul, he could uh, render unfit the grandchildren. It's too far. Um, and then that opinion is brought in a brighta to say, again, that where Rabbi Huda himself says that a person can pasul the, the son, can render him unfit, but not but not the um, uh, to say so about a child, about a son who is a child, but not so about an adult. Um, um, the Enaman al Gadol. 
Meaning, and then I think the concern is that then immediately you're starting worrying, worrying or thinking about the next generation. Um, so then the Gemara concludes, and it's always nice when the Gemara does this. The Hilchatek of Atzeder of Nachman Bar Yitzchak, the halacha lines up or is in accord with Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak, meaning specifically, right, that that because he was not Jewish, he cannot give testimony. So the position of Ravina is not being fully rejected. It's that it's not necessary to follow him for this particular story because that whole verse rationale where it said Yakir, that he will acknowledge, is where we say that a father is established as credible to render a son unfit. But but once he's already been established as an non-Jew, then it's irrelevant. So I would say that Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak's interpretation of what happened with Rabbi Huda trumps the story of um, whether someone is ever eligible to render a child unfit. Um, I find the the question of, you know, hustling somebody's testimony, invalidating somebody's testimony based on what their testimony is, namely that he's not Jewish, to be, you know, I, I like the rigmarole there of, of figuring that out. And on the other hand, like, there is something that's kind of difficult about it, because if he's, if you're trusting his statement that he's not Jewish to the puzzle himself, then aren't you trusting him, right? So the puzzle of it is, you know, it's a little bit um, double think. Yeah, it's double think. And, and you see sort of the quandary that that person, uh, you know, is put into. Um, but I think it's also just an interesting discussion because, again, there was no sort of like internet, phone calls, you know, sort of way to check up on what people said. And so I think this was a very practical issue. Like you have somebody who shows up in your town and says like, oh, I'm a convert. How do you figure out whether that's actually true or not? Um, I I think it's, a, I mean, he seems to have been believed to be Jewish for everything, right? It, this is a surprise. But yes, I agree. The answer is surprising, but you can see why it was an issue with the question. And, it, you know, it's interesting to see that there's not too much of a burden of proof that they require. Um, and I think some of that is practical because there just wasn't really a way to do it. So you just sort of believe somebody. I think some of the answer to that is sort of later on uh, in the brace that I want to share. There's a couple of pieces here that I want to go through um, because I think Chazal in a certain way are puzzled by like, why would somebody want to convert? So there's a brisa, very long brisa that starts at the end of uh, Amud Aleph, right? Tanu Rabbanam Ger Kayer Bisman right? So somebody wants to convert now, um, and they're, you know, and what they mean by that is like, you know, it, it's the Jews aren't in a position of power, right? Like they're in exile. The second Beit Hamikdash was destroyed. It's not good, right? So they say to him. What makes you want to convert? Right? Don't you see that at this time the Jewish people are anguished, suppressed, despised, and harassed, and hardships are, you know, brought on them? And if he says, I know, and I'm unworthy, right, of, of joining basically the Jewish people still in all of their troubles, they accept him right away and they say they can begin the conversion process. So in other words, like, Chazal struggles a little bit with why would anybody want to do this? Um, and then the Bryce goes on to say, So they tell him about some of the lenient mitzvahs, the more stringent mitzvot. Um, 
they specifically go through all the mitzvot of the agricultural law, things that need to be given to the poor people. The Gemara later on, uh, Anamud Bet says why, and they make a distinction that sort of these are mitzvot that are very unique uh, to the Jewish people. Um, that, um, you know, that this is something that non-Jews typically wouldn't do. And this is something that's very unique to the Jewish people, which is an interesting perspective of how they view these mitzvot. Umodinato anshan shal mitzvot, they tell them the punishment of mitzvot. Omrim lo, have yodeya sha'at shalo zo achalta chalab. And then they say, and then before you came to this status and converted, right, had you eaten forbidden fat, right? Iyata onesh koreit, you wouldn't be punished with koreit. Chilalta Shabbat, or if you were Mechalel Shabbat, Yata Anish Skila, you wouldn't be punished with Skila. Bachshab, Achalta Chalev, Anosh Karet, Chilalta Shabbat, Anosh Skila, right? But now the idea is if you eat forbidden fat or if you uh, don't keep Shabbat, you, you could be punished with Karet or with Skila. Shem Shemodinoto Anshan Shel Mitzvot, Kach Modinoto Matan Scharan. And just as they tell him the punishment, they also tell him the reward. Omrim Lo, Habe Yodesh Shaolam Haba Enia Asua Elul Sadikim. Right. Be aware that the world to come is only for the righteous. Right. So in other words, saying just because you convert it isn't an automatic guarantee. And the Jewish people at this present time cannot really receive the, the reward in this world. Right. Um, and they don't get an abundance of good or an abundance of, of, of calamities. And they don't overwhelm him. But they're also not exacting with all the details of mitzvot. So it's interesting. There seems to be a theme here. They try to be a little bit careful, you know, about how they don't want to make it seem too harsh. They don't want to make it seem too easy. Kibel malino tomiyad, right? If 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 he accepts it upon himself, they circumcise him right away. Nishtarubo tzitzin umachavin etamila, right? And if there remains in him any shreds of the skin of the foreskin, it invalidates the 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 circumcision. Chosrinu malino toshniya. They go back and they circumcise him again. Right? When he's healed from the circumcision, then he does tefillah, he goes to the mikvah. Two chachamim have to watch him uh, do the conversion, do the, the tefillah, do the immersion, and then they again go through the hard mitzvot, the lenient mitzvot and the stringent mitzvot. Once he gets out of the mikvah, then he's like a Jew. For women, right, and this has been a controversial issue even today. Woman, they they the court puts her up to her neck, um, in the water. And the two Torah scholars are outside because presumably she's not wearing any clothing, right? And so this is for modesty reasons. And again, they go through the lenient mitzvot and the, the string mitzvot. And so this has been an issue with modern conversion. You know, wh- where should the rabbis who are doing the conversion stand? Where's the woman? Uh, and issues of, of modesty. This applies both to the convert and the emancipated uh, slave who at the time of his emancipation basically then is a Jew. Um, right? And in the same place that a menstruating woman immerses, right? In other words, a mikvah that is made up of 40 seot, sham ger tovlin. So this is the same type of mikvah that a ger and an eved emancipated slave uses. And then a side thing, which we won't get into, is chatzitza, um, right? That if there is something separating them, uh, like literally from their body to the water, that becomes uh, that becomes a problem.
Then the Mishnah, then the Gemara goes into an analysis of this Brisa. Um, I, I thought the Brisa itself was just very interesting. The one thing that I wanted to point out is um, they then go into a whole discussion about the original sort of dialogue between Naomi trying to dissuade Ruth from actually, uh, uh, you know, from actually converting. Um, and some of the things they talk about is, you know, that she tells her you have to follow the Tuchum Shabbat. You can't walk a certain amount. Uh, that she tells her that there are 613 mitzvot. And so they go through that whole thing of, you know, of, you know, Bishar like where you go, I will go. But they make it in the context of that very famous passage that these are referring to specific things that Naomi said to Ruth of like why you don't want to convert, right? So the walking one is about the tzuchum. Um, Amechimi, right, is about the, the mitzvot. Uh, not being allowed to do avodazarav, elokayach, elokayach. Um, there's the four mitot, right? The four types of capital punishment. That's Bashir Tamoti Amut. Um, and uh, finally, that there, there, there are two burial grounds that were given to the court, right? Those for who were executed basically by the court, either for more severe crimes or less severe crimes, that's Bashem Akvar. And that finally, after all of that, right? Right? That she saw that she was, you know, determined basically. And then root base, and then Naomi basically accepted. So just pay attention to that. We don't have time to go through all of it, but I love how they sort of take that story and basically create this beautiful agada to show sort of like this is the original conversion, and that Naomi sort of goes through this process with root of trying to discourage her, sort of like what the Bryce is talking about, really making her aware of all the things that she's actually going to be obligated to do. That's our daft discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us reviews where you get your podcasts. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you what you think of this very long, complicated, interesting daft. Thank you to Rebbe and Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Thank you.